On today's show, we have Yaron Vellner of B Protocol. We're going to discuss details about the project funding team, along with any plans on the roadmap. B Protocol is a decentralized liquidity protocol where backstop liquidity providers buy their right to liquidate under collateralized loans and share the profits with the users of the platform. The system's main goal is to make users receive additional yields to their usual interest rates. Duran, thank you for joining us today. And why don't you start with what prompted the start of B Protocol? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having us. And yeah, so B Protocol kind of emerged around March of 2020, almost years ago. There was, you know, like a huge liquidity crunch. Also, terrible liquidity events. Uh, actually, almost exactly two years ago, which in, in MakerDAO side results in actual loss of funds. Uh, but, but actually, the idea, you know, was kind of uh, we worked on it on kind of low scale even before that. So prior to founding B Protocol, I was CTO, co-founder of Kyber Network, where we did a lot of you know DeFi, but also on-chain market making and trading. And after two years there, we kind of spinned off and I started to work on liquidations and backstop, both in so-called CFI, you know, uh, centralized exchanges and both in DeFi. And, you know, like it immediately became apparent that DeFi liquidations are broken and, you know, something has to be done there to improve them. But maybe, I don't know, like before diving deep into it, not sure how many people are even aware, you know, for what are liquidations, what's the role of liquidations in DeFi. Yeah, that was my next question. I mean, kind of explain what the problem, what is the actual problem there that you see and maybe how you guys are solving that so people have an understanding what that is. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe if, first of all, you know, what are liquidations, why right? they have so such a huge important role, you know, in the multi-billion DeFi industry, but they get very little attention, you know, in DeFi, they're kind of DeFi little secret on how things are, are done there. So first of all, you know, liquidation, so you have a, a huge lending markets now in DeFi, you have Compound, you have Aave, you have a, a bunch of stable coins, you have a bunch of Compound and Aave and stable coin folks. In all of them, people put some kind of collateral of one, one asset and then borrow another kind of assets. Typically, because they want to have some position or some exposure to their collateral, they want to have negative or so-called short position on the board assets. So, for example, you can put typical uh, scenario is that you put ETH and then you borrow a USDC, for example. Then everything is nice as well, but, you know, of course, your collateral can depreciate in value, right? So you, you put ETH when ETH is $4,000, and you know you borrow two thousand dollars, but then if ETH go below two thousand uh, dollars, your position is becoming under collateralized. So at this point, it's very important for the solvency of the platform that your position, your debt, will be repaid by someone. And if this is not done, for example, in Compound, then the lenders are at risk because you know you took four, you took two thousand dollars loan from someone. And now if your collateral is below $2,000, you can just run away with the money. And, you know, the DeFi is permissionless, decentralized, pseudo-anonymous, right? So no one can chase you and take the funds. All they have is your collateral and your wallet address. So the process 
where they kind of force you to repay the debt is called, called liquidations. And typically what is happening is that a user, of course, you know, ideally you will repay your debt, but you know, they cannot chase you, they cannot call you or anything. So they, at certain point, they just let anyone repay the debt on your behalf. And in return, it takes your collateral. So now you as a liquidator who had USDC, you give your USDC, you get ETH with some profit, with some premium on that. And then, you know, you have the ETH, typically you will want to sell it back to a USDC and kind of lock uh, the liquidation profits. So these are liquidations, you know, they are the backbone of almost everything in DeFi. So, you know, you have the access where you don't have liquidations, but anything beyond that, lending markets, derivatives, future contracts, they all rely on liquidation engines. However, okay, so this is what liquidation is. Now, what is the problem with liquidations? And, you know, we worked on liquidation boards for a few months and, you know, we see and we know how it is done in the real world and how it is done in DeFi. So the DeFi approach is basically, okay, you know, Robert has some debt. Let's let anyone liquidate him. First come, first serve. You know, this is allegedly the most decentralized way anyone can liquidate. However, in practice, what is happening is that there's a huge gas flow, right? So Robert has a $1 million debt. Uh, I can buy its collateral and the collateral is, let's say, $1.1 I can buy it with only $1 million. And only the first person who actually comes in and, you know, liquidate you gets it. So there's a gas war, you know, to be the first one to achieve it. So as a result, you know, so let's say Compound or other platforms, what they offer, you know, they offer this $100,000 incentive to liquidate you. But big part of it will go to the miners because, you know, if I can profit $100,000, I might be willing to pay 50,000 out of it uh, for gas. And we see that, you know, slowly, slowly, it, again, we started in this area around 2019, you know, gas was still small, but uh, right now more than half of the profit goes to the miners. And this is not only, you know, some kind of technical inefficiencies because, you know, as a lending platform, we don't really care if the profit will go to the liquidator or the miner as long as there's a proper liquidation. But actually, the result of it, it's kind of a race to the bottom where all these uh, liquidators actually compete on who will have the most sophisticated, you know, front-running bot, uh, who will have the most gas-efficient bot. And typically what will happen, people will just take a flash loan, do the arbitrage, do the liquidation and finish. So no one really have any trading algorithms there. No one holds capital. And this is kind of the complete opposite of how uh, liquidations in the real world uh, work. And the result is that you don't have any traders, you know, kind of being able to take positions there. So, and as long as everything is for small amount, that's fine. But, you know, no, no one kind of bring capital from home because, you know, it, it really doesn't force it. I mean, the small liquidations will be taken by flashbots. And then the big ones, there's simply no one who will be able to handle them. And this is something, you know, we saw on Black Thursday on MakerDAO, whenever things get a bit tough, no one is there. This is a problem. And, you know, when we started, so, the, you know, you had many the big, big platforms like Compound and others, but now you have, you know, like explosion of Compound forks and lending platforms and stable coins, and they have even thinner liquidity. 
So having some kind of inventory for liquidations is even more important. So yeah, but basically this is the problem that we are trying to solve. All right. And so there's, I guess, a lot to unpack, unpack there, but how does this integrate with the lending platforms and what platforms are you guys integrated with? You know, as a whole, what we try to achieve, you know, if you look at what Uniswap did to market making, right, in liqui- or to liquidity provision, uh, so we are trying to build a user-based liquidation mechanism or user-based backstop where users are the one who provide liquidity for liquidations. And then we have some kind of automated market making, uh, which is completely permissionless, completely not in our control. It does the liquidations and also manage the position. Uh, so this so-called backstop, okay, the backstop are the ones who perform the liquidation. So we introduce a new backstop we introduced a new DeFi primitive, namely the backstop mechanism, and we let anyone contribute uh, toward liquidations. And the way it works, and actually I have slides I can share, you know, you want me to share the screen? Yes, yeah, so, so first of all, yeah, okay, while you let me share the screen, so this solution is integrated with uh, three platforms, two of them are stable coins, uh, one is a lending platform. Uh, we already have ho- over $100 million of backstop liquidation dedicated for this operation. So first of all, you know, we integrate with platforms that make us a sort of default liquidation mechanism. And in this way, you know, the gas flows are mitigated. And right now, you know, like the perfect example for it, we have a hundred finance, which is a lending platform. I think we saw over 200 million of TVL. So there we are basically the liquidation engine, uh, users, and you know, let, let, let's focus on USDC. That so users can uh, pull USDC. Uh, right now, 100, they get some uh, liquidity mining rewards from the lending platform uh, to incentivize deposits. But in the future, they will also uh, uh, share a revenue stream from the lending platforms for fees, etc. Now, whenever there is a liquidation, so let's say uh, you have East Collateral and USDC debt. So the lending platform, in this case, 100 Finance, can just take the USDC from our backstop, right, from the user pooled funds. And in return, they give uh, ease to the backstop. Now, at, at this point, the liquidation ended. The debt on the lending platform uh, was closed. They got all the USDC they needed. Our users as backstop got their ETH and made you know, some profit. On 100, it's 8% profit. Uh, but the problem is that you know, user deposit USDC. He wants USDC exposure, not ETH exposure. So this is like the core of our protocol. This is the rebalance process. Where uh, we have a, a formula, right? it's basically a smart contract formula that sells the ETH back to USDC. So we just offer, it's kind of a limit order, but you know, it's more complex because it's DeFi and smart contracts. So it's kind of a formula that price uh, the ETH for sale and we use it using the a price oracle and also some formula, which is based on the Kerr Finance formula. And then a, a, anyone can buy it, can buy this ETH. It is also being aggregated by DEX aggregators such as Kyber and Paraswap. And whenever some ETH is being sold, the USDC is put back in the backstop. 
again, generate yields and also ready for the next liquidation or liquidations. So yeah, this is basically high level overview. And so like from a user standpoint, if they're going to utilize Ave or something, are they first coming to your site to execute that transaction? And do you have a break that down for from the user standpoint? What happens in the process? Yeah, so from user actually from user perspective, it's it's much simpler. I mean, user the user only see a deposit and withdraw function. You know, it goes to a website, you can deposit. Right now we have we have it for USDC, DAI, USDT, Vesta, and LUSD. So, we, you know, on different blockchains, but but still, I mean, from the user side, it's only deposit and withdraw. All of this is done automatically for him. So you can just, users just go to our website, you know, has to give some allowance for the token, but just deposit and withdraw. And you share liquidation proceeds, and there is a liquidity mining by the lending platforms. No? Currently, we don't have our own liquidity mining, but to get some tokens, for example, from 100 Finance or from Liquity or from Vesta, as a bonus for depositing here. And all of this is done behind the scene in a smart contract, which he doesn't have to be aware of. What are the lending platform the lending platform options right now that you guys are integrated with? Yes, yeah, so, so right now, as I mentioned, we have Liquity, which is a stable coin. Uh, there we have a backstop of over $100 million. We have 100 Finance, which is a multi-chain lending platform. Uh, also one of the big ones on Arbitrum and Phantom. Investor uh, Finance. And next integrations, we're working closely now with a Fuse, Rari Capital, on supporting a bunch of markets there. So as a, as a user, for, for example, if you look at 100 Finance, right? So as, as a user, you don't really care how you get liquidated, right? So you use 100 Finance as usual. But if you have some stable coins and you want to make some yield uh, on your stable coins, then you can deposit it in our backstop. Right, it's like a single-sided deposit, only the stable coin, uh, and then, then you get to share the liquidation profits plus liquidity mining from the lending platform. Actually, maybe let me, you know, uh, show an example of the website. This, for example, for Vesta. Yes, yeah, so, so for example, you know, so Vesta is a stable coin. As I mentioned, you also have liquidity and hundred finance, which are much bigger. But you know, so you have this VST stable coin, and you know, you just choose. A so it's called a stability pool that you want to deposit, and you can just you know deposit or withdraw funds from there. So this is what the users see in terms of incentives. User has liquidation profits which uh, actually for some of the platforms are quite big, for some are low, it's mostly unpredictable, it's very hard to predict. Uh, but only in all of these platforms, so for example, Investa, but also Liquidity and 100, uh, you have this native APR from liquidity mining. So Vesta platform give VST A tokens to users who deposit you know, funds towards liquidations, right? So this is like, currently this is the main incentive. You know that, you know, if you deposit in this pool, you will get 10% from their token. And you know, like be, behind the scene, under the table, we will do all this rebalance process for you. I mean, this algorithm will run for you. So what platforms do you guys see yourself moving to next? Yeah, so as, as I mentioned, next we are um, working very closely with Rari Capital. Uh, so, so in, in Rari Capital, in the Fuse pool, they kind of offer and they let anyone open their own lending market. 
Now, th this is great, and you know, it's kind of permissionless lending market, but there, the liquidation engine and risk management is even more crucial and, you know, even more missing because, you know, right now, you know, some token projects open the lending market, they typically clone the default settings. They don't really, you know, dig too much in, uh, into risk management, but, but also from the other end, you know, users are very reluctant uh, to participate. And, you know, like as a lender, uh, so of course you care about the APY and then you also care about the stability, which only stems from liquidations. So, you know, B-Protocol is a permissionless liquidation mechanism on top of a permissionless lending market. So there we see, you know, like a big potential there. So this is what we work on now. Have you guys encountered any problems with any users' funds in the past or from a security standpoint? No, no. So, so, so far, yeah, no. So, no, yeah, I mean, our, our contracts are audited. No, so, so far, there are no, you know, like uh, any contract bugs. There are always uh, uh, trading risks here. Uh, so far, uh, you know, so we did a lot, a lot of simulations here. And, you know, this kind of rating algorithm is very profitable on, on average because, you know, you, you get uh, your collateral with discount. However, you know, it's profitable on average. You can have risk. You can have losses. So far, we didn't. But, you know, there is risks in deposit, of course, but, you know, no yield without risk. So, so far, it was profitable also in practice, uh, but, you know, there are risks there. But other than that, you know, no security issues so far. So will this allow for, like, higher leverage and more capital efficiency, obviously, right? You know, so we started on, on Black Thursday events where, you know, projects like MakerDAO were really con seriously considering shutting down everything because, you know, liquidations didn't perform well. Since then, DeFi did mature. You do have more liquidity indexes. It's not necessarily now about, you know, some kind of catastrophical events, but it is a lot about capital efficiency. Because you see, despite having billions uh, in different liquidity, so you see the big lending platforms are not very reluctant to offer high leverage, right? And it's, mo it's mostly or almost only because of liquidations, right? Because they are still not certain about liquidations. And this is also an interesting phenomenon where Actually, you see that, okay, so initially you didn't have, you know, like almost any DEX liquidity, right? So if you take Uniswap at 2000, yeah, so like 2018 Uniswap had barely $10 million volume, you know, barely 50 million TVL, which was high back then. And then like, you know, you had Uniswap V2 who really gained a lot of volume, uh, not only volume, but also a lot of TVL, but it was like kind of very inefficient capital because in Uniswap V2, even if you have $100 million of user deposits, so you can only liquidate some, you can only facilitate liquidations for something roughly $5 million because of the slippage there. So th th this is mostly because of that, you know, so uh, lending platforms are very reluctant to increase their capital efficiency and leverage ratios. Now, the interesting part in Uniswap, and you see it also in Curve, so, you know, you have new versions which are actually, you know, like more capital efficient. So you have Uniswap V3, you have Curve V2, which is more capital efficient, but actually what you see, and, and this is also very similar to traditional world, very efficient market-making algorithms are very bad for backstop. Because when market moves, typically what a professional market maker will do is to stay out of the market. 
I mean, this is like the basic market making, you know, like operation. If, if volatility is too high, you know, uh, decrease the liquidity or, you know, increase your spread. And when market moves is exactly when you need liquidations. So the observation here is that, you know, market making algorithms will become, or decentralized market making algorithms will become more and more efficient. But this is actually bad news for liquidations because it means that backstop, where in, in backstop you actually have to take the position. So market making is mostly about being neutral in your position and backstop is mostly about taking a big position and hedge it. So the, the more efficient, you know, DEX liquidity and DEX market making will become, it will become less and less efficient for liquidations. So this is why, you know, this is the basis for observation that liquidations and backstop should be a new primitive. And yeah, and this is why we work on it. It's awesome. And going to maybe, you know, what does the team look like who's kind of driving the success of all of this? Yeah, so, so we are a small team, we are three people. So myself, I'm the founder and lead developer uh, of B Protocol. So a bit about myself. So previously, I was a CTO and co-founder of Kyber Network. Before that, I was doing PhD in computer science. This is where actually I met other Kyber founders, some kind of academic research. Also, along with my PhD, over 10 years of you know, software engineering in the industry. Eitan is our only non-developer guy, non-technical guy, is leading the ecosystem. Eitan is actually in crypto since 2014, or at least he did an ICO already in 2014. So it was a Lazus project, which was actually a, a ride-sharing app. They had their own token. So, you know, it was before the Ethereum days even, they had a token over uh, Bitcoin. It was called Colored Coin or MasterCoin or something like that. And uh, so I, I, I first met, met Eitan around 2017, you know, also did some pilots for car sharing applications and it was already on Ethereum and he joined the B-Protocol around a year ago. Uh, and Shmuel uh, is another developer. So, so, so Shmuel also is kind of new to, you know, the whole crypto and DeFi. Uh, previously he worked on some payment systems and stuff like that in, in the more traditional world. That's our team, you know, beside that we have, you know, like relatively active community, you know, also on Discord also kind of our community is already managed some amount of funds, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, mostly for both activities and other stuff. Uh, so we do have like kind of more, you know, like four to five active, you know, like very active community members, but that's, that's the team, yeah. How do you kind of plan to engage and expand the community and users to the platform with maybe what might not be so much a sexy project? You know what I mean? <laughs> from a user standpoint. Yeah, yeah. So actually from a user's, you know, like from a user standpoint, it's mostly about eventually when we will have like a big variety uh, of protocols, then, you know, like it, it's very appealing for stable yield farming, right? So, you know, right now most, most of the stable Stable coin yield is from liquidity mining and tokens. But eventually here, you know, we offer real profit from liquidations with relatively low risk. You know, so, so yeah, it's, it's not as sexy as all, you know, all the new pyramids and, and, and Ponzi schemes, but, but, but it actually has some, you know, intrinsic value in the sense that, you know, you have a clear revenue stream. It's not, I mean, how big it is, it's not clear, right, et cetera. But, you know, the, the potential there is pretty big. So, so yeah, that, that's on the user side. 
from community side, you know, we are governed by a token. So far, the community has led, you know, most of the tokenomics uh, and initiatives around it. So yeah, the, the community is also, you know, uh, right now it's pretty technical, which is also kind of nice. So yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, I don't know if it's a sexy topic, but very technical topic. That's what I mean. You guys are you guys are attracting a more technical type of crypto native user, correct? I mean that's yeah, yeah. So, so, so I, I don't know about users because you know, like a user at the end of the day only has to deposit a stable coin. But yeah, like to really understand, yeah, like to really understand the system, you have to be very technical. But in terms of community, it's actually nice to you know have a technical community. At least two out of our three integrations came from community members. We you know just said you know this is a great project. You should talk with them. And then, you know, we went live with that. So it's actually nice to have a technical community, but definitely a challenge to kind of outreach to the broader community. But again, you know, like from a user's perspective, he only has to deposit, you know, stable coin and, and, and leave it there. So, yeah. Yeah. And so how do you guys, I guess, kind of go to market to maybe explain the users in the easiest way? Yes. Yeah, so, so, so right now, you know, we still have only three of these integrations. So we are mostly focused on on this uh, on like on the native market of these platforms. Also, they are kind of scattered around different blockchains, so it's not like user can at certain point, at certain point users will just have to you know enter and say okay I want USDC or USDT and this is the API here here and here. You know we might have some risk rating and you know they can choose. Right now they still have to understand yeah like what is the protocol about and etc. It is also quite appealing, you know, actually for DAOs, we had at least three DAO treasuries kind of parking their liquidity in our system. So the biggest one is the FAY protocol. It's actually more than $70 million of deposits. But before that, we had the uh, ah, yeah, Squill, Squill, Squill Squid. DAO, uh, which kind of dissolved, dissolved since, but you know, also saw it as a way for passive income. We have Keeper DAO, also depositing there. So, so it's kind of appealing also in the B2B aspect, you know, like DAOs want kind of some stable yield. And, and you know, like some, some, something that really can kind of last for a while because they cannot really move, you know, like every day from, you know, like to the best uh, yield assets. So, so like our go-to-market is mostly, you know, kind of in the communities of the lending platforms but also a lot of down-to-down work. So what are you guys, did you guys recently raise a $2.2 million round and what are the use of those funds moving forward? Yes, yeah, so, so even before, so, so it was kind of an extended seed round. Before that, we got the, the first seed round from Kyber Network. So overall, we raised over $4 million. And this is mostly, uh, we'll go for development. Having a you know, bigger development community, bigger, you know, not only community, we are... Uh, Myself, you know, I'm CEO of a, a, an incorporated company. And so the company is planning uh, to develop the protocol and, you know, maintain the needed infrastructure and, you know, of course, encourage all the ongoing research and development work. So, yeah, that, that, that's mostly for development and, you know, some kind of community management. Other than that, the DAO also has, so, and, and this phase was mostly done by, you know, like the company token. And yeah, like for other initiatives, the DAO also have tokens, which is, you know, like fully autonomous. I mean, how do you think the adoption, obviously there's a lot of conversation across different geographic regions about regulatory risks and all these different things. How do you see the DeFi evolve over the next three to five years? And were the participants that might be more native, 
first those that might be going through intermediaries and what does that framework look like? Yeah, yeah. So, so actually, you know, even before regulatory perspective and everything, you know, so like being in the space since 2016, so, so, so you see this, you know, big shift from, so originally 2017, 18, it was about, look, DeFi is more secure than the traditional world. These days, is you know, it's, it's about, okay, you don't really have to be secure. We just give higher yields. <laughs> and yeah, no, so I just think moving forward, you know, it will be again mostly about, you know, like security and people really, you know, we will not have this crazy yield for a long time and, you know, it will be more about real products. And yeah, but, but, but you know, the, the, this crazy yield and everything really helps seeding everything. Uh, so, you know, like before 2020, you didn't have, you know, you didn't have liquidity as a primitive. Now you kind of have liquidity as a primitive. You have pretty robust lending markets, stable coins. You know, here at B Protocol, we try also to have a backstop as a primitive. Uh, so, so I do see as, you know, like every, like the progress of DeFi is just having more, more and more, you know, like primitives building on top of each other. Hoping it will not collapse, no, but, but you know, like over time it will become more stable. In terms of regulatory perspectives, you know, we don't have, a, have any deep thoughts there. You know, all our smart contracts are permissionless. Even when the DAO is the admin, it does not control user funds, but only some parameters which are actually capped, you know, like fees, etc., which are capped by the smart contract. So we try to be non-custodial as possible. Even now, even for our deprecated products, you know, we have multiple interfaces that make it accessible for users to be with us. So yeah, I, I don't have anything, you know, very smart to say, but regulatory perspective, you know, we just see how it goes and try to, to move accordingly. All right, and what are you guys looking to do and how are you expanding over the next 12 to 24 months? Yeah, so, so it will be mostly about more integrations. Also right now, it's kind of will be, you know, with the fuse markets, it's also a potential for us to run our own markets and then to get revenue streams, not only from liquidations, but also from kind of management fees and consultation fees, kind of as a DAO. So yeah, so it will be mostly not only about chasing other protocols for integrations, but kind of taking out the our destiny at our own hands and like being more active on, you know, having new markets there. And, you know, the, these new markets are mostly appealing if you're a protocol with your own token. We see it's something that's already happening and will be more appealing in the future. You want to supply leverage or some kind of cheap credit to your users. It's kind of as an alternative for liquidity mining. So in this sense, you know, we see these permissionless markets as something very promising and, you know, we kind of offer permissionless risk management on top of it. So this will be our main focus in the next few months, uh, you know, couple of months as, you know, talking two years in ahead. So, you know, right now we, we already pivoted from the original plan, although, you know, it was also about liquidations, but like originally what we tried is to actually engage professional liquidators. But eventually we decided to do it more in the DeFi way and, you know, have user-based liquidity rather than professional traders. So, you know, who knows what will happen, you know, two years from now, but definitely our plan, you know, we see lending markets, capital efficiency, something, you know, like as the next step in DeFi evolution and hope to contribute to that effort. I mean, you know, for those that obviously would like to interact with the B protocol and see what it can do, what's the best way for them to, to 
do that. Yeah, yeah. So like the uh, yeah, okay. So you don't share the screen, but so we have a website at bprotocol.org. Uh, from there you can enter the app. We are live on Ethereum, Arbitrum, and Phantom. If you have a stable coin there, you might be able to get some yield on that. We have a Twitter channel, bprotocol is. We have Discord. You can find the Discord link from our website. Yeah, we, we have actually an official community Telegram and, and Reddit, but the team is not very active there. Medium channel. Yeah, these are our channels. I appreciate uh, you know joining us and taking the time out today, Iran. Thanks for having me.